I guess I'll just start this way. Luke is still very disappointed that Han has decided to flee and not help in their uh, destruction of the Death Star. He laments this to Leia, and she says, look, he's got to go his own way so you can go yours. And they load R2 into the back of the X-Wing before takeoff. Luke runs into his old buddy Biggs, who got cut out of some earlier parts of the movie uh, from deleted scenes, but this is the first time we see him. He's clearly an old friend of Luke's, so it's nice to see that Luke has some friends in the Rebellion. Uh, Tarkin and all of his little goons aboard the Death Star, uh, be kind of, they kind of become privy to the fact that the rebels are about to attack, so they send a fleet of TIE fighters out to get them, because basically they're too small to get them all at once, they have to take them down individually. And so a battle ensues, a space battle, TIE fighters versus X-wings and Y-wings, and eventually, as a, over time, it looks like the rebels are starting to lose. Vader and two other TIE fighters decide they're going to take on the remaining rebels. And pretty much all of the red leaders and the gold leaders just get completely squished in the air. It's really uh, upsetting and kind of disturbing if you're a child. Luke's good, though, uh, and just as he's uh, about to make his final shots... Han swoops in, clears the path for him, two shots go into the Death Star, and they uh, fly away. So they fly away, they get back to Yavin 4, they celebrate, Leia and Luke are both extremely thrilled to see that Han didn't abandon them, but Luke is a little bit heartbroken to see the fact that R2 is pretty destroyed. Yeah, he's like got huge cracks in his head and everything, and the, the, the relief comes when you see him at the big ceremony in the final shot where he's been all polished up and cleaned up, as has 3PO, and frankly so has Han, he shaved. Everybody looks phenomenal, they put some medals on our heroes, and we credits. Exactly. Luke finally looks like an adult. Finally! And he got a good blazer! Yes, I know! I found it interesting. He got like a sweet yellow blazer and Han just had to wear his clothes that got laundered by the looks of things. Well, Han has different cl- has a different shirt on very clearly. Does he? Okay. In terms of he has a shirt over a shirt. Oh, okay. Like he has like a very like thin, just basic, like light gray shirt over his normal one. Yeah, you can but see he's wearing like, his vest. Yeah, but he's got his... And you can see a fancier collar underneath... Uh, so he's really dazzled himself wow. up. Leia finally gets away from the ridiculous haircut, and we never see that again. Isn't uh, that funny that yeah. her most iconic haircut, the most one of the most iconic haircuts in film history, is really only for a portion of one movie? Absolutely, yeah, I know. It's <laughs> it's it, but it's just so weird that no kidding that happened. Yeah, it was really terrible. Yeah, but one thing that's cool is you got me three just random comics from different decades for Christmas. And Old you, like seventies and eighties comic yes, books, standard like from the Star Wars Marvel comic books. Uh, and uh, one has has Luke on the cover, one is Vader on the cover, and one is Han and Lando and Chewie. Uh, but specifically, the one that has Luke on the cover, it's the oldest one of all of them, and. Funny enough, he's actually on the cover yeah. wearing that gold jacket that he's wearing in the final scene. It's so so cool. I thought that was kind of funny. Even though the lightsaber looks like a flashlight yeah. and it's nothing could, things couldn't look less canon <laughs> or Luke's yellow hair, he looks like He-Man. Right. I mean, but it's, it's great the fact that they just decided to carry that forward. Some of those old comic books are pretty corny in their illustrations and uh, oh my God, yeah. old interpretations of lightsabers in general were pretty corny by anything that was separate from the main timeline movies. Mm. But you're right, I never really realized that he was wearing basically his dress blazer like mm. like the the jacket he bought for the big prom yeah that's funny he's like wearing a suit to go like on a on a battle somewhere i don't remember i don't i didn't open that actually or even read that comic um no they're pressed between glass yeah exactly so <laughs> i didn't exactly get to see what planet they were on or what the deal was but by the sounds of things he was probably overdressed from Did the beginning we, yeah probably 
Did we have a medal for Chewy? Yep. He had one too? Yep. That's good. That's uh, essential. I think so. Jesus. I, th- I think he must have. It'd be uh, pretty ridiculous to get him to walk down the aisle and not give him a medal. Uh, now, is it safe to assume that He all- doesn't get a medal? No. He doesn't? That's ridiculous. Well, because this was my issue is like, why are we just honoring Luke and Han who are the heroes of our film? Yep. Granted, we probably would have had medals for all the other rebels who were out there in the sky if they had all survived. But did anyone survive? Any X-Wing survive other than Luke? Uh, Wedge survives. So why didn't he get a medal? Uh, because he was not one of the ones who blew up the Death Star. He His fighter got hit, and so he had to go back. That's not how military works. I know. <laughs> I know. But in this instance, they're getting like a different level medal. Yeah. So it's not some sort of recognition. This is like Luke literally kills a million and a half people. Right. All enemies, not a single casualty. He wipes out like mega, like a huge part of the Empire. That's a lot more important than the guys who go up there and fail. I'm sorry. I know, but... That's incredible what he was able to accomplish. I know, but you went up there yeah. with the intent of doing the same mission. One guy carried it out specifically, mm-hmm. but you were a team. That's I kind agree. of the rule. Unless we're giving the medals for having rescued the princess. Unless oh, it's maybe a, that's what a, it is. A different honoree altogether. That's a really good point. In which case, Chewie deserves a medal the same. Yeah, absolutely. No matter what, he deserves a medal. <laughs> he does. Uh, and it's interesting that he gets to walk down like the aisle with all of them, but doesn't get a medal. Right. Uh, maybe it's maybe they couldn't reach, and so maybe they give him a medal later. He has to just like go down a few steps. So well, they Leia can definitely a... can't reach. Nope, definitely can't. There were a couple of shots of her when she's back at the base. There's one just before takeoff, and then one shortly after, but when she's looking at that big three-dimensional diagram of exactly what's happening. And you get a profile shot of Leia. And she looks so young. Mm-hmm. She looks like a child. Yeah, she, she looks, looks like a child at a couple of points. She looks like 15 years old. It was it was stunning. Hey, what do you think of uh, doing uh, Bail Organa Star Wars story in which Millie Bobby Brown plays uh, teenage Leia? Yeah, no, I've heard I've heard this and I love it. I don't think it's like a thing, but it, no, it's, in terms of what fans want, it's I think been mi- memed a couple of times. I mean, Millie Bobby Brown. Not only does she absolutely look the part, she does. It's incredible. She's a phenomenal actress yep. and she's the right age yep. everything aligns and you'd wait a few years to the point where she was the perfect age uh and who knows maybe sh- maybe she'll fizzle out and never have a career after stranger things or i don't think she'll so. have a huge career and it's looking that way it's looking like she's really the big breakout here she's and being groomed to be like natalie portman exactly which and is all the more reason for it to fit perfectly. exactly and, yeah. and that's one of the big actually i saw quite funny um just some on reddit somewhere there's this giant poster of like natalie portman in like a perfume ad or something and then just some some guy wearing like a kylo ren helmet just putting his hand up to it mom <laughs> <laughs> it was so hilarious because it's just this like sorry grandma not mom yeah um but it's just so weird because Natalie Portman, when she was so young, yeah. had such a prominent role in all of this mm-hmm. um, later on, obviously, in the 90s. But she's still so young and still such a major star yep. because she got this when she was young. And who knows? Maybe maybe that could be the same thing would happen to Millie Bobby Brown if she were to get in a role at the age of, say, 16 mm. that could be... Uh, I don't know, three quarters of a billion dollar movie. Who knows? Well, the only thing is you want to act on that sooner than later because she's already like 14. Yeah. That's right? it. Oh, I don't know. Is she? I think so. She hey, might be one of the older ones. Hey, or... Siri, how old is Millie Bobby Brown? Millie Bobby Brown is 14. Good guess. Yeah, so she's 14. You have that gift from our mother. Yes, I can guess people's ages very 
Well, anyway, she uh, she will be as old as Leia was supposedly in A New Hope in like five years. Yeah, that's true. So they want to act on that as quickly as possible. Yeah, but I, I definitely like that concept. Uh, you can still manage to um, use um, Jimmy Smith's for Bail Organa. There's no problem there at all. Um, no, you're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. He was used in Rogue One, so. Right. And did they old him up a little bit? I guess they olded him up a little bit, but. That's doable. Yeah, I mean, you just don't. Make him look as, as old before. And Jimmy Smith looks good for his age, so he can right. pull it off. Now, do we want a Bail Organa story? I said I phrased you, it you that did, way. You did phrase it in a very strange way. No, I don't think okay. so. I think we want a Leia story. Because yeah. I think, uh, I, I still haven't read it, and it seems like this keeps coming up, but I guess it's because Leia is such a prominent character in this movie. But I really want to see Leia Princess, uh, read Pr- Leia Princess of Alderaan. I so guess that I, I, can, I only phrased it that way because I figured there was already enough canon Leia out there that nah. they don't have more story to There's tell. There's never enough canon Leia. I guess that's fair. Yeah, she's just too good of a character. Yeah. Uh, and that's interesting enough in terms of since her passing and, and Han Solo dying in The Force Awakens, uh, Mark Hamill's been kind of caught with his hand in the cookie jar again, saying that he doesn't really have a need to come back to Star Wars or doesn't feel the same drive. Uh, he doesn't care as much if he's in Episode Nine. Obviously... Because Carrie and Harry aren't around? Yeah, I mean... Uh. I, I get what it is. It's the gang, the gang can't get back together again. It, it, there's no going home for him in this instance, so it doesn't have the same feeling. Uh, he's, I think, still a little bit bitter about not being in The Force Awakens. I don't even think this comes to, from The Last he, Jedi. Yeah. He's just pissed he didn't get that reuniting. He makes a lot of jokes about it. He's made that a lot, <laughs> yeah. whether it was him getting the lightsaber in the forest on Starkiller Base or whether or not he would show up at an earlier point. It, it makes sense as to why he really wanted that reuniting moment. And no kidding. Everybody, I don't know why they chose it that way. I don't know at what board meeting they decided, you know what, we're not going to put them all together. Yeah, well, yeah. And even J.J. decided it. That was, that was the thing that wasn't even controversial. Yeah. They knew, though, that Harrison was not going to do another one. Right. And the entire plot of The Force Awakens is let's find Luke Skywalker. Luke so you have to write a completely different movie if you don't do it that way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And even even with Carrie and Harrison, like they only have one or two scenes together. Really quick little ones. One before and one mm-hmm. after? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Not, just, a, just a couple quick ones. Yeah, quick little things. Now, uh, Biggs, Biggs Darklighter. Yep. That's a name. Uh, he is Luke's academy buddy, I guess. Mm-hmm. He seems to be a little bit older than Luke. He. That's something I have as a take back. He's 30. Yeah. He's 12. It will, the actor was 30 in, okay. in filming, so it just doesn't work. Well, maybe he was like a counselor or something. Maybe he was like a senior classman where Luke was a junior and they just knew each other. They didn't have to be like contemporaries. No, I guess that's true. Uh, so he dies. But he is a cadet. No, they, they would have had to have been. He was a cadet yeah, and, right. and that just doesn't work. So he dies. Yes, he does. Another important person from luke's past who he doesn't mourn nearly as much as ben kenobi nope and he still says in a very whiny way to leia at the very start of this 20 before he goes up into space uh it's he just gives her these weird puppy dog eyes and says i only wish ben were here just, no. It's so lame. It's so lame. Like, we all know the importance of Ben Kenobi. But you don't. But at this point, Luke has no idea. Yeah. He's he, just a nice man who was nice to him for, like, a weekend. Yeah, not even. Like, <laughs> no. we don't even know how long. Actually, that's actually that's true. We don't know how long they were on the Falcon for. It could have been about... I, I, I actually... Th- I think there's ways... And I'm sure we could look it up. I'm sure it says somewhere on Wikipedia. Yeah. But it is always longer than we think. 
when it comes to Star Wars Definitely. and the space travel. So maybe they were on there for a week. Who knows? And maybe he got to learn a lot more about his father. And maybe he felt like it was losing his connection to all of the stories of his family. Yeah. I'd see, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here. Right. I'm grasping at straws for some some blue milk, but it is... <laughs> There's there's no good reason for him to care that much versus how little he cared about the people he actually knew. It is very strange. Yeah. Now, you said something a few minutes ago about how many uh, kills Luke Skywalker has at the end of this first film. Yep. I never really thought about it before. But he single-handedly takes down the Death Star, which has, excuse me, half a million living no, people on 1. it? 1.5 million. Oh, okay. So it says in the book Bloodline, approximately 1.5 million people died. Uh, aboard the death the first death star it yeah. says in the book uh lost stars that one to two million and the schematics of the death star say anywhere from 1.1 to 1.3 million okay so let's go with 1.5 sure because that was the only one that was not in a range and it's in the middle of all of that so that's truly insane that's a lot of friggin' people does luke have any guilt over this yes he does <gasps> he does really yeah that's part of the story yeah okay and of course, I mean, who wouldn't? Luke is your quintessential hero. Anyone who kills a million and a half people is going to feel bad about it because a million of those people are brainwashed and not inherently bad people. Now, where are all the other stormtroopers hiding at this point? Like, I oh, need they're to, around the galaxy. They're imperial bases all over the place, I guess. But like, they there lost. is a specific number of stormtroopers that they say they lose. It's like two hundred thousand or something. How could there be that many crew members on the Death Star that aren't stormtroopers? Oh, there's tons of people. All the officers. Why would there be that many officers? And then there's like gunner operators, and then there's like janitors, and there's got to be things like that. A million? Okay, I have. I can look up the breakdown if you'd like me to. Yeah, I'm kind of interested. Okay. So this is based off the Death Star schematics, uh, but the numbers don't really add up that well. It says approximately like a quarter of a million standard crew, 50,000 gunners, 600,000 troops, 31,000 stormtroopers. Okay. I don't really know what that means. Maybe all of the training had been switched to the Death Star at this point, and they just brought a bunch of, like, 600,000 troops up, and they all died. That'd be really devastating. Yeah, that's wild. Who knows what that is? Uh, 40,000 ship support staff and uh, 180,000 pilots. And okay. It's just hard for me group. to fathom that many people. That's a lot of people he killed. On one space station. Now, conversely, are the rebels so depleted for decent flyers that they have to send a couple of, like, teenagers up into the sky? Yeah, absolutely. Here's There's some really cool things about... Um, and I, I want, I don't want to give away my trivia. Do you? Uh, I don't want to give away my Why trivia. Why are you asking me your trivia now? There's I'll ask no you my trivia now okay. because it, this way I don't have to, I can, I don't have to tiptoe around certain facts. Fair enough. All right. So we've shifted the model a little bit, or at least I have this week. You can join me next week if you'd like. Okay. But my, I'm going to ask you three questions, uh, a Padawan question, a Jedi Knight question, and a Jedi Master question. Okay. So my Padawan question, I'm hoping you get, uh, me too. my Master question that would be impressive if you got, and sorry, the Jedi Knight question would be impressive if you got, and the Master question would be blown away. Okay. So the Padawan question, what were the three Rebel Squadron colors in the Battle of Yavin? Oh, shoot. They're red and gold. Yes, and no one ever remembers the third. No one remembers <laughs> the third. Is it blue? No, that's a good guess, though. Uh, blue actually all die in the Battle of Scarif. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're the ones who are kept underneath the dome, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it's green. Green. See, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I think there's only like a couple green. Um, my Jedi Knight question. Okay. What was the call sign 
of, I'm going to give you options here, Porkins or Biggs? Biggs was red three. Nice. Good job. Because that was my question for you. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) I find it hard to come up with trivia questions. What was Porkins? Do you know? Seven. Red seven? Red six. Red six. And my Jedi Master question, how many rebel ships were in the Battle of Yavin fighting against the Death Star? How many rebel ships? Uh, uh, I'll say 18. That's not a bad guess. Yeah. Uh, 30 or 31, depending okay. on if you include the Falcon. Oh, okay. Yeah. You don't. Okay. Kind of then you would say 30. It, they, they, yeah. then the number in the movie is 30. That so. makes sense. Yeah. It kind of does. Uh, but one thing that's really interesting that they go back to in Rebels, and I was blown away by it, was there was an entire episode built around rescuing Y-Wings. Yeah. So there was Y-Wings that were getting destroyed by the Empire, and the Rebels wanted to go and salvage these Y-Wings before they were destroyed so that they could use them. Mm-hmm. So they could add to their fleet because their fleet was so diminished they had almost no ships. Yeah. And the Y-Wings suck. I loved Y-Wings when I was a kid. Well, I loved them when I was a kid too. And they were my like really bring me home moment this week because yeah, I had too. a Y-Wing and uh, Vader's advanced TIE fighter in Lego. Mm-hmm. They were It was a big Lego set I got one year and I absolutely loved it. I loved that ship when I was a kid. And today when I saw it, I was like, that's a stupid design. It's the ship. worst design ever because if you hit any part of it, the ship blows up. Yeah. You have no safety zone. The ship will crash. It's, fra- it's too fragile and delicate. It's a terrible ship. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, but interestingly, this entire episode of Rebels was built around rescuing these Y-Wings. And I forget how many, whether there was 10, 12, or 15 that they were going to rescue. And they sh- and when they arrive, they arrive at the exact moment. They're like being destroyed by the minute. Yeah. And they're able to stop, they're able to stop the destruction from happening and they're able to rescue a few of them and they're able to rescue eight. Oh, okay. The eight that are in the Battle of Yavin. Of course. I know, it's amazing. That is pretty exciting. And it was pretty cool the way That's that they do it. That's most people wouldn't connect. I, I just, well, I just binged Rebels just recently. Right. So it, it just made sense that I was able to make that connection, but uh, the X-Wings are also the cooler ship, so who's going to pay attention to the Y-Wings? Now, let's talk about the power of a blast from either an X-Wing fighter or a TIE fighter. Sure. An X-Wing fighter appears to have the strength to blow up the Death Star with <laughs> two blasts, which is extraordinary, and we can talk two about that more Two well-placed blasts. Two very well-placed blasts. We can talk more about the logistics of that in a second. Uh, TIE fighter blast... While it does seem to be able to ping X-Wings out of the sky, it doesn't appear to be able to... Blow up R2? Completely blow up R2. (laughs) (laughs) It, like, damages him pretty good, but not so much that he can't be cleaned up for, like, a few days later, presumably. That's true. Uh, That's a very good point. And uh, I think that just has to go back to the standard Stormtrooper phenomenon of why do the heroes never get hit and then the one shot from behind the corner with your eyes closed from the person who's never held a blaster kills the stormtrooper right well there isn't even and and maybe it's just because like you always say i don't remember a time where i haven't seen all the star wars exactly but i don't i don't feel any stress when r2 gets hit no it doesn't trouble me at all because i'm like oh it's fine and that was an interesting thing and it was really cool because i know a lot of people were speculating over the potential of Characters you wouldn't expect to die in episode nine Mm. being like the Falcon. Oh, wow. If it gets destroyed or if they kill the droid, like the way they did K2 in like Rogue One. That only works because then, of course, they get nuked by the Death Star. But otherwise, don't you dare ever kill a droid. 
they can be repaired. That's the whole damn point. R2 yeah. dies in the first movie of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Don't you t ever kill R2 then. R2 doesn't need to die, you're right. But also, I would argue that just for the sake of good storytelling, I can't imagine why it would be good storytelling to kill the Falcon. I don't see any reason why it would be at this point because... It's just one of those through lines that we have so few of and yeah. a ship can always be passed down. Mm -hmm. And Chewie still has so many years left and that's the big reason why I don't see any reason for it to go away. Exactly. Uh, one thing actually kind of tying with current events just because we're talking about the Falcon, I'll bring it up now. There's actually strong potential that Lando is not the first owner of the Falcon. I didn't think he was the first owner. I figured the thing has been around for ages. Well, that makes sense and doesn't make sense because think about how new it looks in all the trailers we've seen for Solo. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean it's new. So Pablo Hidalgo, the 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 prime being on anything that is Star Wars. Yeah, he's a brainiac. Uh, it really comes... He basically just said that the Falcon is super old. So we see it in Revenge of the Sith. Yep. Well, then how come that makes sense? Because it has its escape pod already gone at that point. Yes. And so how come it's back now for Solo? Mm -hmm. Timeline doesn't work. So what no. he basically says is the fact that it's a very old ship. And think of who Lando is. Lando would have decked it out. He would have he would have contacted the maker. And he would have made sure he got another like escape right. pod. He would have painted it. He would have made it his own. He would have pimped his ride. Exactly. Yeah. He would have pimped his ride. And... That's why it adds a little bit more weight to when he says, like, what do you do, do to my ship Yeah. In, um, in Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. Because like Han just strips away all the things that he's added to it. It appears to have gone pretty grungy pretty quickly between uh, Solo and A New Hope. Well, by the sounds of things, if Han becomes the new owner of it, but he maybe he got rid of a bunch of things, and it probably went through a beating at one point in this probably upcoming did. movie. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe the Kessel Run is what absolutely like beats the thing to hell do you think han enjoys the metal ceremony i mean he's got yes. like a cheeky little grin on his face and he's flirting he's eye flirting with leia mm -hmm. and he likes glory mm -hmm. han but i don't i don't really see him as somebody who's like all for the bullshit of of these big ceremonies and like all the pomp and circumstance yeah that wouldn't work for the character i i, I would agree but i don't know han becomes a general he like he becomes a prime part of the rebellion. Right. It, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing that like he's he's clearly changing as a person, and so being okay with being around this much praise, normally that wouldn't work. But we're a, we're supposed to be seeing a character who's changing greatly throughout the the saga and the trilogy. Right. So seeing him change that much from even the start of the movie to the end of the movie isn't isn't a bad thing in my books. No, you're we right. already see the fact that he's changed. That he even came back five minutes ago. He did so. Yeah. Yeah, this being just even another further one, and I see it more so as he very clearly is cluing into how how much he has the hots for Leia. Here's my use of the Force, damn it. I have one as well. Is it possible, I'm actually quite proud of this theory, is it possible that Vader, who we already have established is a good flyer in his own right, although doesn't really fly very much on screen in the main uh, original three movies. True. Uh, and it's kind of always jarring when we see him flying. You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot Anakin Skywalker is supposed to be this great pilot. Mm. Is it possible that he chose to fly in that particular moment in part because he could see the eminent doom of the Death Star was nigh? Probably. He had to GTFO. That's possible. That's a, real, so. that's a really good uh, theory. I've never even really thought of it that way. I loved how arrogant Tarkin was. For yeah. someone who didn't even believe in the Death Star in Rogue One, yep. 
He is so confident now, and... Evacuate in our moment of triumph? I know. I have that I down as a good line, too. He had, a couple of, he had a couple of good quotes. What do you have? Uh, for... Like one... I have a Tarkin one, for example, just because it felt very Tarkin. Uh, he said, you may fire when ready. I thought that was a very good Tarkin quote. That is a very Tarkin line. Yeah. Um, hang on tight, R2. You've got to come back. You wouldn't want my life to get boring, would you? That's a good one, for sure. It's so sincere yeah it really is yeah it's kind the way 3po says it he sounds scared for r2 because he's actually showing some affection for yeah. r2 which he never does never yeah they're so burton ernie and oh that's a really good comparison i've that's never a, thought of it that that's way exactly who they are uh use the force luke let go yeah the let go it really it, it's it's a it really adds a lot to that line which is used a million times but yeah we still don't know a lot about the mechanics of Force Ghosts, uh, however many times we've seen them. Like, it was, it was kind of my impression, aside from this film, that you didn't just have to learn how to be a Force Ghost. You had to learn how to receive one. But Luke just gets yeah. audible and visual messages from Obi-Wan without any training whatsoever. Yeah. He just... He's able to, to see it. And I think that makes sense, though. It's... Because he's Force-sensitive and he believes in the Force, I guess. Yeah. I guess that, that aligns... Uh, another thing he says, uh, this is what Luke says in reference to R2. They say, your, your droid's taken a beating. Do you want another one? He says, not on your life. That little droid and I have been through a lot together. Which is like a good line, but it's, it's, it's a clunky delivery. It is. Not on your life. But also, you think you've been through a lot with that droid? Mm. Your dad? Oh, my God. Yes. It's been, yeah, you, all you did and was that's, do a little, a little heist. And as, like, I know you haven't seen The Clone Wars, but the relationship with R2 and Anakin is beautiful in The Clone Wars. That's cool. He, like, he really, in a few episodes, treats, it, treats R2 like a person and risks his own life to make sure he gets R2 back. Yeah. He loves R2 as much as he loves anything. I mean, R2 is like a loyal dog, right? Except he's capable of doing more than and that's a what's, dog. But it's such a shame to see, like... Anakin just like he obviously becomes Darth Vader and it's a shame to see that happen anyway but like the severed relationship with R2 but it's nice to see that he somehow finds his way to his son right and they develop that exact same emotional relationship does R2 understand that Vader is Anakin he would have to he didn't give his mind erased I guess I think there's a comic actually that uh that talks about uh, I don't know whether it it mentions Vader recognize. I know there's also one about Vader recognizing 3PO as well. But it's not like common knowledge that Anakin Skywalker turned into Darth N- Vader. Not at this point. No. It only becomes common knowledge um, after the events of Return of the Jedi. Okay. And the book Bloodline. So maybe R2 doesn't know. Well, R2 would know. Well, actually, no, that's a good point because he wouldn't necessarily see who's behind it. No. Well, that's a good point. I think. I don't know. R2 knows everything, though. Yeah, he so. does. It could, it could kind of make He's sense. He's omniscient. Uh, a couple of good Han quotes in here. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. Yeah. Great shot, kid. That was one in a million. Yeah. I think that's probably our title. Oh, yeah. Devil. That was one in a million? Yeah. Star Wars was one in a million. It's got to be the title. That's right. Especially we've rounded out this first movie. Exactly. Uh, one. And oh, I have one more quote. Okay, too. go ahead. Uh, remember, the Force will be with you always. That was mine, too. Oh, yeah? The Force is with us. Nice. I had a quote that I wanted to bring back to the drawing board. Uh, and it was after they landed, after the success of their mission. And they're so happy to see Han. And Luke says, I knew you'd come back. I just knew it. Hey! Hey! I 
knew you'd come back. I just knew it. I just knew it made me cringe oh, hard. That is bad. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that one because I was actually more focused on uh, something I've never noticed before. And it's 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 a little hard to tell. But the second Luke gets out of his X-Wing and he runs over and gives Leia a hug, yep. he screams like, yeah. out of excitement. He says, Carrie. What? Yeah. <laughs> but it's in the, the film? Yeah, it's so loud though that you can only kind of hear it. It doesn't fully sound like it, but What a dummy. It's it, it, apparently that is definitely what he said. So cool. And when you when you when you listen to it, you can definitely definitely hear it. <laughs> I, I never would have caught it on my on my own. Right. I don't I don't know whoever was the first person to catch that, but Wow. Yeah, he yells at Carrie. So I I, did, I missed that point after because it happened right after. But now, is there a tremendous structural flaw in the Death Star, and that you can take it down with two simple blasts? Not that they were simple, but like, well, that was intentionally. Shouldn't that hole be guarded by some kind of force field? Well, that was intentional. Okay, that was Galen Erso. That was the whole point of Rogue One. The fact that he designed the Death Star with a secret kill switch, kill switch, and told it to his daughter. Okay. So why did no one else pick up on it, though? Because he was a brilliant engineer. He was the only one in the entire galaxy who was able to design. But he didn't handcraft the Death Star. Like, they oh. had to build it, and they had to build this kill switch yes, but you wouldn't have, but you wouldn't have necessarily known that that's, that is what it would have done. It I was see. just a pathway that led to the main reactor. Really, Rogue One, as great of a spy movie as it is, yeah. is truly, it is just a plot device to pick to, to fix one of the great plot holes in movie history. What do you mean? The Death Star being having oh. that kill switch. Like, that's really the ah. reason to make Rogue One is to say, no, see? Yeah, I guess so. It, it's, it's one of those things that the plans were clearly very important to the Empire, mm-hmm. and... Had that have been something they realized after the fact could have been a potential burden, it wouldn't have been so outside the realm. It does help you better understand the first 20 minutes of the original Star Wars. Absolutely. And I love the fact that uh, Gareth Edwards just saw that original crawl and was able to build so much out of it. Yeah, he was. Um, I also want to hear the story about the many Bothans who died um, <laughs> to get the plans for the second Death Star. <laughs> what are Bothans? I, I don't know what a Bothan is. I don't okay. know if I've seen a Bothan in canon. Hmm. Maybe we'll find out. Yeah. Well, actually, another thing, and I'll tie it back to current events again in, in that uh, Mimban. So I don't know if we've ever chatted about this, um, but Mimban is a planet that is older than Hoth. Oh, wow. Mimban is was the planet that all of the events of Splinter of the Mind Eye, Splinter of the Mind's Eye um, would, took place on. Okay. So that was the initial sequel to Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Before okay. Empire Strikes Back came up. Before Star Wars was a hit, George Lucas wanted to make sure that he could have a potential story to follow it up. By the way, Splinter of the Mind's Eye is the coolest goddamn title. Yeah, it's a cool title. It's a cool title. I'm sure the movie wasn't cool. But it's a cool goddamn title. Well, it wasn't. It was a book. Um, oh, and it, yes, okay. and it would have been um, a pretty boring movie. But the reason why they did it at Mimban was the fact that the planet was a lot of caves. It was muddy and it was dark, and the production value would have been extremely low. They wouldn't have had to. It wouldn't have been a very expensive movie. It would have been pretty cheap for Lucas to make. Right. Um, and so they brought this back for Solo, and the Mud Troopers and um, Mimban uh, are back in the canon universe again. So. We'll be able to see that planet come to fruition and see what it's like. There's a, a few. There's a lot of cool worlds in Solo. I'm, I'm getting excited. 
You know what I did last night, which I haven't done in a very long time? I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. I didn't realize uh, Lawrence Kasdan wrote the screenplay. I didn't either. Yeah, so it's it's produced by uh, by Steven Spielberg. It's The story was written by George Lucas. The screenplay was written by Lawrence Kasdan, and it stars Harrison Ford. <laughs> it's quite good. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a little corny at times, and it's very. It's well, also like it's it's more brutal than Star Wars. So there's certain things that don't hold up. One thing wise. really doesn't hold up is Temple of Doom. Mm. I haven't seen um, I haven't seen any Indiana Jones in a while. But the most recent one I saw was Temple of Doom, and it sucked. Is that the one with the Holy Grail? Uh, no, that is the first. That's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, really? With at the end with the guy who who yep. kind of dies. I just think of. I think it's Alfred Molina in the beginning. He just gets impaled by all these spikes, and it just looks ridiculous. He looks like he's made out of rubber. Oh, I don't remember, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Star Wars is a better job of that. It does, but I mean, it can get away with more, because exactly. it doesn't take place in the real world. No, that's true. Good point. You got a couple of more notes for the 20? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so one thing I really hated when it came to things that definitely should have gone back to the drawing board was the way Han shoots Vader's TIE fighter, and it just spins away. Yeah. What the fuck was that? It is really corny. It was like he had it on a string and yep. was like doing a... It was ridiculous. And Vader's just like, whoa. <laughs> it's just very silly. It's very right. family guy. Yeah, kind of. Um, also, this is something that wasn't in the version that we saw, but um, in the final ceremony scene, some of the people in the crowd are paintings and cutouts. No. Yeah, so they weren't at, weren't in this one because they had it redone and digitally re-edited actual people in there. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. And they put them front and center, too. It was the ridiculous part. They didn't even hide them in the back. They were the people that are the closest to the to the camera line. Just because they couldn't get enough people to be extras? Yep. <laughs> That's insane. That was unfortunately the reason. Yeah. Man, I wish I was one of those people. Another thing that definitely should have gone back to the drawing board was the way the X-Wings rocked. Yeah. It was like that they were everyone was sitting on a rumble pack or something. They were just being like jerked around and like it was uh that terrible old Star Wars ride yeah. in, in MGM. MGM Studios, yeah. Holy smokes, where they basically just move you back and forth a little bit in a chair. I don't know. I think it was pretty good, wasn't it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't remember it being good. All right. I think it's like a roller coaster, but you just stay stationary. Yeah, but it's just like it, I don't know. I, I didn't enjoy it as a kid. Right. Uh, I remember that, and I remember it being kind of kind of lame, and that's basically what I was reminded by in terms of it does reflect A New Hope pretty well. Hang on a second. I was there when you were a child, Ross. You didn't dislike it because you were, like, cooler than it. No, no, no. I was terrified. because you hated roller coasters. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh, I, was, I thought it was kind of lame when I was seven. But it was. I was. I wanted something with lightsabers. And when I was yeah. that age, I it was. I think we were five. I was five the first time we went. Okay, um, all the more reason then. Yeah, and I. Yeah, exactly. And I was super bored because at that point, the only ship that mattered was the Falcon. Yeah, that's true. So I didn't care. Millennium Falcon and lightsabers are really the main reason you enter as a Star Wars fan. Characters, characters, and like so you could have your action figures, your Lego, yep. and the characters, the ones who wield the lightsabers. I don't know, just piloting and ships de- didn't really uh, strike my my interest until a little later on. That's fair. Which yeah. What else you got? Uh, just a couple things. Okay. Um, the lasers curved into the Death Star's reactor. That really bugged me. Yeah. I, I, always, I always just kind of accepted that. Yeah. I just assume that it's uh, like a heat sinking or something, but you just got to hope. Unless there's like some kind of gravitational atmosphere to the Death Star that they see a void, so they're pulled down towards it. 
That's possible. I guess. Maybe. And but also, they're just light and energy. Yeah. It's one of the things you just got to chalk up to 1977. I, I realize your, your frustration with it, but I always was just content with accepting it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, I'm content with accepting all of it because it's still <laughs> perfect and it's still Star Wars. That's fair. Uh, the ridiculous helmets worn by the laser cannon operators. Oh yeah, those things are so stupid. Yeah, why are they wearing them at all? Well, they're very much. Oh, like, they can't look. They probably have to have like a like a shield to protect their vision. Maybe they're that's... very much like the dark helmet uh, things in Spaceballs, right? They're like the big broad yeah. kind of shield on them, and I think Stewie wears one in the the Blue Harvest. Uh, I think he's Vader, in that, isn't he? He's playing Vader, but it's just like a big helmet thing. I don't remember. Maybe I'm misremembering. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, Ryan Johnson in Rogue One um, wears one of those helmets. No way. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so they actually traded, and Gareth Edwards was in The Last Jedi. Oh, cool. He was the guy standing next to the one who tasted the ground and said, Salt. Oh, God. Yeah. One of the, that'll be the title of the episode. Uh, one of the corn. Well, I'm sure there's a, actually, <laughs> I can guarantee you in that 20, there's going to be a better line. Yeah, there's line. some good ones. Blow that thing out of the sky, I think is probably oh, within that 20 was minutes a good of that. Blow that ship out of the sky. Kylo Ren lines, him and Hux. I'm yeah. expecting some good dialogue between those two in episode nine. Look, we just finished uh, A New Hope. We get to pull quotes from Lawrence Kasdan scripts for the next 12 weeks. So we're going to find some good dialogue. That's true. No worries. And some good dialogue in the new solo trailers, too, speaking yeah. of that. Okay, let's get into it. Sure. Uh, so I absolutely loved the two new trailers that we got two like 45 second tv spots and they're similar they borrow from each other but there's always a little bit of uh individuality well they're called crew and risk they're the name each trailer has a name okay uh, which i don't know if trailers generally do why not the first time i've ever noticed that maybe it's a thing they do maybe maybe it's not i don't really know um but from both of them there's tons of things i absolutely loved uh one of them was you know you think everything sounds like a bad idea when han says that to chewy yeah. it was great it is i really loved the han and chewy in crew you think everything sounds like a bad idea that was the first one that came out and i was completely on board as soon as i saw that one it really landed a lot of the things that were up in the air for me mm-hmm. and i think i think we're going to be okay so are they named crew and risk because of the different tones that are present through that because if you're talking about the relationship between han and chewy that's a crew and that's a positive kind of it is yellow the- sunny concept whereas the second one is very lando heavy you get a little bit of paul bettany in there too yep uh, and risk obviously is very prominent in people who have dark sides. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but yeah, it, the crew is very focused on Han and Chewie. Yep. And about them meeting each other. And it's just, it's a great little, um, oh, I absolutely loved it. Uh, there was another line was, uh, Lando said, what are you doing with Harry and the boy? What are you doing with Harry and the boy? <laughs> he says it to Kira. So it's very like the way uh, Lando talked to Leia. In terms of really just yeah. diminishing everyone else in the room so that it was just the two of them so he could hit on her in a way You're that right. was it was excellent. He I absolutely loved it. Harry and the Harry boy and the boy. I thought it was great. He said something in there that really sounded like Billy D. Williams. Like he definitely evoked the character. I think that was that line. And uh Donald is gonna be hosting SNL in May. Yes. And Childish Gambino is going to be the musical guest. Amazing. What a, what a stacked show. <laughs> I know. The fact that they were able to get both of them at the same time. It's going to be a wild one for sure. He's the standout already and the movie hasn't even happened. And that's not even anything against Aaron Reich. I think people just really want mm-hmm. 
the fact that Donald's in this movie is giving people a better general attitude about the film mm-hmm. itself, and that's positive for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's really, really encouraging. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was what kept people open for a long period of time. And now they're starting to see some things land like, oh, wow, Alden Anreich, he, he's, he's, this is a pretty decent Han. Yep. I'm starting to see versions of the same character, definitely a different portrayal, mm-hmm. and it, he doesn't look or fully remind me of Harrison Ford at all. It's impossible. But he's giving me like flashes of Han, and that is absolutely good enough because it's looking like we're going to see a very well-developed character yep. and one that will still fall within that same arc of who Hanbi is as a person. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a naive boy turn into a jaded prick. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think we're going to see the complete opposite of A New Hope. I think okay. he's going to start off super wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, a rebel still, mm-hmm. a total rebel, mm-hmm. um, still going to play on the wrong side of the tracks, but optimistic about his future smuggling career and he is not gonna end the movie in a positive headspace i'm assuming that's probably fair i'm assuming it's going to have a very negative ending similar to rogue one rogue one yeah yeah well that that is kind of the price you have to pay knowing yeah. some of the fates of these characters before we've even been introduced to them yeah um there was a there was another couple cool things i forget how the line was phrased but we have woody harrelson narrating one of the uh, one of the one of the trailers and talks about how a gangster was putting together a crew for a heist. Yeah, and then they flashed to Paul Bettany, and I had a oh. hunch because Paul Bettany is this like he's the, he's a gangster. That is his character. Sure, he is playing like a hard nosed, flashy, filthy rich gangster. But what if what if they're not working for this evil gangster? What if he's the bad guy for a totally other reason? And the gangster they're working for is Jabba. Jabba the Hutt. That's what I assumed. That's not what I assumed. Oh, that's totally what I assumed. Because they have flashed right to Paul Bettany, and that is his character. He is, uh, I forget what they called him. Um, What is it? No, it totally. A big shot gangster. I I just associate gangster and Jabba Jabba together in Star Wars, so that's what I first thought of. Yeah, no, I didn't first think of that, but uh, that could be what it is. Now, they position it in a way that it's very much looking like they're going to work for a guy who's probably going to turn on them. um, Yes. Because... He's a total crook, uh, but maybe maybe that's not the case. Maybe we're going to see some good relationship between Han and Jabba, and we better see a good relationship with Han and Jabba if Jabba's in the movie. Yeah, I want Jabba in, and they cannot be at each other's throats because Han's like a son to him in a sense. That's complicated. It's definitely complicated. You think that you're asking, you might be asking too much for them to be like bff no i that's fair i don't necessarily want to see them being bff but i want to see han coming through and jabba being super impressed yes that's fair. i want to see like han being jabba's go-to or them pulling off a mission if it's for jabba and han's the one who comes back right no one else comes back just han and chewy right they're the only ones who make it back lando got swept up in something else and everybody else dies, probably. <laughs> A little Godfather action. Uh, but yeah, so who knows? Something cool like that could happen. Uh, but this is all speculation. I know there are some... There's some deep spoilers out there that I just avoided. Mm-hmm. But I've been Twice. taking... The surface level stuff, I've been, I've been cool with. There was a, a game, I think a Monopoly solo, that someone really dove deep into and strung together potential uh, events and how they would order throughout the movie so, so on, i there, avoided that story you can buy a solo themed monopoly set from uh, I which you can extract spoilers well, star wars has always done this all of their toys give away their spoilers that's bizarre yeah 
that's the case for this movie too. Uh, the action figures early on, uh, the Cloud Rider gang, all the information about them comes from the back of toys. Why would they do that? I have no idea, but it's always been the way it's uh, the big, like the big spoilers you don't want. Uh, the ones I've heard of, I've always, they've always been traced back to toys. Um, generally, otherwise, uh, if things are highlighted with spoiler and I won't notice, sometimes they'll like, oh, it's a toy package. And then you'll read a little bit more and you find out a spoiler. And that's how I stumble across them. Otherwise, I avoid them. <laughs> that's good to know. Don't read the backs of toy packages before you've seen the movies. Yeah, they actually have some uh, some spoilers in there. A few other things from the, the new Solo stuff. Actually, we were on uh, Paul Bettany's character, Dryden Voss. So we can continue a little bit on him. Okay. Cool name. No relation to Quinlan Voss. So okay. Quinlan Voss, the, the Jedi from Dark Disciple and Clone Wars. Uh, s- subtly in a Phantom Menace in the background uh, on Tatooine. Right. Uh, just a yellow stripe across his face. Uh, no relation whatsoever. So similar to Antilles in that regard, uh, there are last names that can exist uh, in duplicate. I can see that as an oversight. Like they just came up with this cool sounding name, which is Voss, but Antilles was deliberate. Oh yeah, it was definitely deliberate. Makes but no, sense. it's deliberate in their part too, showing that like the galaxy... is vast. Is It's vast and it's also like here in that... Not everybody has some ridiculous, made-up, unique, perfect name. It's yeah. just the way it is. Uh, and also, I don't know if his character was the same name, uh, but when Michael... Was it Michael K. Hill? Is that his name? Michael K. Michael, oh, yes, Michael yes. K. Williams. Yeah, Michael K. Williams, yeah. Uh, when he I was, forgot he was in it. When he was the character, yeah. he's black. Uh-huh. At, there's no way that Quinlan Voss was related to a, a black half minotaur. Probably not. Because he, he was supposed to be like bottom half was mountain lion or something. Yeah. Uh, or something like that. He, he, was not a, he was not a human the way that Dryden Voss, when uh, he got, Paul Bettany is. When he got fired or laid off or however you want to phrase it by Solo, for whatever reason, I guess we still don't know. Oh, he was, it's, a, he it's, was a class act. Yeah, I'm pretty confident that it's scheduling. Yeah, probably I mean, is. it's the sort of thing where you'd think you'd rearrange your schedule to be able to make it work for Star Wars. Yeah. But he said it was scheduling. They said it was scheduling. It must have been. He said, I really hope I have another opportunity to work with them again in the future. Yeah. Either way, it was a really amazing experience and an mm-hmm. honor. He was just, a, he said all the right things. Yeah, maybe uh, Ron Howard wanted him to be a more prominent character. And so he would have had to come back for not like for like a lot more. So reshoots and then a lot more. And so maybe it just wasn't doable. Yeah. Uh, who knows? I, I, we can't tell. But by the sounds of things, I think he would really fit in the galaxy far, far away. And I think that would be really cool to, totally. to bring him back into the, the Star Wars fold. And I know that's happened before. I forget who. Uh, but there are a few other people who have missed opportunities for, for parts in Star Wars and that's gotten in the past. But no, and have still managed to find ways into the saga, that's which cool. is which is great. Yeah. That's That's a really cool thing to be able to hear. Um, especially for the people who are clearly Star Wars fans. If you're going for, for Star Wars multiple occasions, either you're, well, you maybe be love money. There's no nothing wrong with that, but of course, you, the odds are you're probably a Star Wars fan. Look, if you became an actor, there's a cha- there's a very good, it's Chance a strong a likelihood fan. you're a Star Wars fan just because it's so important in the history of cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a few other huge things about Dryden Voss, uh, and this is one that apparently had gone, no one noticed for like, uh, for like four or five days. After the first, um, after Crew came out, I think it was Crew that it was first spotted in. Uh, but eventually someone noticed it because it's only on the screen for milliseconds. But there's the scene with Dryden Voss and he's got his kind of like light daggers mm-hmm. and he's destroying clearly his art collection or his <laughs> collection of things he's uh, he's gathered throughout the galaxy, similar to the way uh, Thrawn gathers different artifacts from different cultures. Right. And so 
he destroys like a pot or something. But in that swift motion, you see in the background, he has Mandalorian armor. Oh. And a Sith holocron. Come on. So he can't open his Sith holocron, but oh my God, that is the landslide most valuable thing he has. Tell the people what that is. So a Sith holocron, uh, similar to the way Jedi holocrons are, uh, is basically a... a storage of knowledge and information and lore about history. So Sith are able to pass down what they've learned uh, and like not only information, but new developments and ways in which you can utilize the force. And it's a manifesto. It, exactly. And so it's done in a way there are Jedi and there are Sith. Only Jedi can open Jedi. Only Sith can open Sith. And so it's just an artifact for him specifically. But if a Sith were able to get their hands on that, who knows what they could do with it? If Kylo Ren, although he's not a Sith, he's a dark side user, I'm sure there's a way in which it could work. Mm-hmm. He's He has Sith blood. Well, he uh, does. If he were to, say, get a hold of that, I mean, good luck resistance. Uh, when you have no one who really knows any history about the light side and dark side, Rey yeah. and Kylo are pretty fresh. You give one of them all of Sith history or, like, a huge portion of that, depending on what the holocron's history is. But, like, that's yeah. pretty incredible. I mean, huge. Uh, Sidious went hardcore after holocrons. Darth Maul as well. I mean, they Darth Maul used the holocron to be able to locate Obi Wan. Oh, okay. Uh, so key things like that. All right. I think he actually used Jedi holocron though, um, leveraging what Ezra was able to give. You can him. do a lot with story. Exactly. I yeah. don't remember specifically. Um, I didn't really think of this, but the tentacles that are throughout the sky, uh, and you wouldn't know what a pergol is, but a pergol is like a space whale. Okay. So they float around space. They're massive. That's they're hilarious. Like, like they're big enough to like destroy star destroyers. They're okay. huge. Um, and the main thing about them is they're found in hyperspace lanes. Hmm. Uh, so they'll often they can actually disrupt pilots, and they can they, that can be the the biggest reason that you could die potentially going to hyperspace is if a pergol wanders into your way and you, you get hit by it. Um, and they also can travel at light speed. Uh, and so they play a big role it's in a very strange creature. Yeah, and so but anyway, the tentacles, I just thought there's a potential uh that maybe the purgles are what they're flying through. Yeah, that'd uh, be cool. in the solo trailer. All right. Finding a way to connect that. I would love that cuz they're a big part of Rebels and they're space whale and they travel through hyperspace and they're called purgles. It's just the cutest thing. It is. <laughs> um, but man, they're strong. They're cool kind. It was really interesting. Rebels gives you a whole new view on creatures and animals in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Uh, and I absolutely love that. I thought that was really cool because uh, Ezra has such a connection with nature and animals and he's able to uh, really harness the force. Uh, That's something we haven't really animals. witnessed a whole lot in Star Wars uh, up until that character. At least, unless I'm mistaken, I mean, we have the Ewoks or whatever, but we I can't have, think of any. We don't have like a Newt Scamander of the Star Wars universe. Uh, I don't really know a whole lot about Harry Potter. Want to enlighten me? Well, I know I mean, the, 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 the original books of Harry Potter. Okay, but it. he wrote Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them because he was fascinated with the creatures of the magical world. Okay. So like just somebody who was like a, a bit of a zoologist of Star Wars creatures is probably an archetype we could yet fill. Yeah, definitely. And that's what's cool about Ezra is able to to kind of tap into the different force sensitivities and, and, and strengths of certain creatures. And there are also certain ones he's unable to. Like there are spiders, I forget what they're called, but giant spiders on one of the planets and he's unable to get in contact with them so still some things that uh the force is being broadened with that i love exactly just making it deeper and deeper so do you have anything else or should we call it quits a a couple ones uh warwick davis 
He's part of Enfys Nest's crew. Yep. Uh, so see him there shooting off a cannon or something. In he's the not trailer. playing his original Ewok character. No, he's not Wicket. Yeah. Uh, the Slave One nice. might be seen in the trailer. This, so is, this is the Fett ship. This is Boba Fett's ship, and yep. people were losing their minds in excitement. I'm not a huge Boba Fett person. I think Boba Fett... He's overrated. Yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's cool, and... Of course he looks cool. You learn way more about him from books and Clone Wars than you do... From the original trilogy. They cooled him up in response to the he, toy craze. And he's lame as hell yes. in the Clone Wars because he's a kid. Yes. He's a snotty little kid with like a thick as hell Australian accent. Yes. And sounds like an old man. You're right. But anyway. Wavy hair. Uh, he probably is uh, not going to be in this movie. I don't I, think he is. It looks. It doesn't even look like Slave 1, in my opinion. It looks more like... I get why it looks like it, but it's probably just an asteroid. Interesting, because when we first started talking about doing standalone movies, everybody was like, oh, it's got to be Boba Fett for some ridiculous reason. Well, they said it was going to be. Well, I figured the compromise was put him in the solo movie. Well, I thought that for a while, too, but then nothing was said about it at all. Yeah. And so I just assumed... there's a. I think there's a chance we're going to see him, but I think... If we do, it's not going to be in much capacity. Right. And also, he can't be, like, he, he's on Jabba's good side, and if Han's on Jabba's good side... There can't be any tension. The really. friend of my friend is my friend. Yeah. So they shouldn't be at each other's throats, so he almost doesn't have a place. Right. Maybe he's... So if he is there, maybe it's just an in-passing, like, like a shout-out. I'm okay with that. It's or if Jabba's in the movie, and uh, they've decided that at this point, Boba Fett's already working like frequently with Jabba and they want to stick those two together. Cool. Go right, for it. Right. A uh, couple other small little things. You have so much stuff. Oh, I know from those trailers. <laughs> loved it. Lando tossing the DL 44 to Han. Oh my God. I loved that yeah, shot. I know that was great. Oh, ugh. <laughs> it, it got me so excited. You're it, so excited. It, the Sabak game as well, mm-hmm. because it, like the conversation, the way that they hold themselves, the way that Han shows the cards to Chewie and the way that Chewie gets all frustrated because he, whether he's bluffing or knows, everything about that yep. is hitting home for me. Yeah. It is everything, especially with the Sabak game. I'm not so much landing on the, um, the I've got a good feeling about this lines. and, and It's some, showing up in every bit of press. I know, which bugs me. Maybe yeah. they're just trying to get a different angle of it working. Um, and I don't really know what we're going to get from Kira. And Corellia hasn't blown me away from what i've seen though this far but like the anything i've seen from the sabak game and uh vandor the snow planet that looks so cool like we're gonna see and ron howard apparently uh mentioned just in terms of the context of this i mean you're seeing a movie that's not based around jedi so you have to look at new ways to to create action scenes yeah uh, and then someone also mentioned on twitter somewhere how uh oh i'm gonna go see this movie for for queen of dragons i'm not seeing this for the jedi anyway um, but in a joking way right in like i like star wars but the main like i i like it for the jedi i'll see this movie for queen of dragons okay uh and ron howard i forget the specific context but he implied it's mother of dragons for the record i what did i call it queen of dragons oh, sorry That's i apologize fine. to all the game of thrones friends <laughs> that is really my bad it's okay i have heard enough about game of thrones that i know I want to binge it all at once. Oh, fair enough. I do not want to. I was too far behind. I decided I wanted to watch it in like season three. And I was like, yeah, I can catch up right now. I still think I might do it too. And I'm aware of a couple of really gruesome things that I would probably be upset by. But I would see them coming, I think. I just want to watch it all at once because 
it matters culturally. Well, it matters, but also at the same time, I want to see it. And I really think I don't have the patience to wait. Yeah. I know a lot of people who get really mad about having to wait on Game of Thrones, and I'm pretty impatient with TV shows, so I don't want to do that. Right. I'm not into it yet, so I'm going to hold off. Right. Uh, so Mother of Dragons, who's yes. going to watch it for that? So clearly I wasn't <laughs> reading the tweet off off the, the bat right there. Oh, here it is. I love Star Wars, but only the Jedi and Sith stuff. Since this probably won't have any of what I'm watching uh, at all because of Queen Daenerys. Oh, Queen Daenerys. That's okay. the reason why I thought of Queen. All right, fair enough. Um, I honestly think, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Mm. Enjoy, was Ron Howard's response. Mm. So people are thinking that maybe there's going to be some Jedi in here. Maybe that maybe Vader will be here and for a quick bit. Who knows? But That would be wild. That's kind of teased out there. And I think the Force has to have some form of presence yeah but at the same time it can't be in front of han because he doesn't believe in it that's true so it better be in front of chewy or something Hmm. okay we gotta wrap it up fair enough i think that hits everything on my list anyway next week we launch empire strikes back yeah we do yes oh one final thing okay uh solo running time two hours 15 minutes coordinated concert film festival it's a good length yeah i'm cool with that exactly all right all right Okay, man. Uh, have a good week. Uh, happy, happy uh, uh, Star Warsing, <laughs> and may the Force be with you. <laughs> that's a better. That's a better way to wrap up the show. Happy Star Warsing. <laughs> we'll use that. Yeah.